Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We are your guides through sordid tales of pop culture, drugs, and saying the word fuck a lot. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis. So now is your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous, so please don't hurt yourself or your loved ones. But do subscribe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. I am your host, Dave, and with me tonight is, from the dive bar himself, Chris Pace. Hey, Dave. Glad to be here, man. Hey, I'm glad that you're here as well. Uh, as you can tell, we're having another virtual uh, podcast tonight. So uh, Chris was uh, cool enough to fill in today. Um, James, Chris, and Nancy, Chris uh, Law, uh, they are attending to a family matter. So uh, we want to wish them all the best. But super cool of uh, Chris Pace, my co-host from the Dive Bar, to come on. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man. Always happy to be here. So thanks for thanks for asking, and uh, hopefully we'll give a give the listeners a good show. I think we will. Uh, we had a pretty good response to the last time that we were on, and uh, Chris and I actually are going to be doing double duty, uh, which is sounds pretty dirty, but uh, <laughs> him and I are going to be doing an episode of the Dive Bar tomorrow. So uh, are you ready for that? I'm, I'm, hey, man, a double dirty DP. I'm always ready for it. All right. Chris loves the DP, so uh, make sure we keep that in the internet here. Um, so uh, I don't really host these too much. Uh, James is mostly our guy, so he's a little bit more organic with uh, the hosting duty. So um, hopefully I can do him justice. Um, tonight, we always like to start off with talking about what we're smoking. Um, I'm actually smoking tonight, and I'm smoking green crack from Lightshade on Sixth Avenue, or not Sixth Avenue, Alameda and Dayton in Aurora. And uh, I've been smoking off this shit, Chris, for like the last three weeks. I, I bought an ounce okay. from them, and I've been smoking off that same shit. But uh, about three weeks ago, dude, my puppy ate my fucking driver's license, and I can't get another new uh, another one until May 25th. And so I'm basically uh, I'm hoarding all the all the weed I can get. I'm fucking rashing it out, uh, but I'm gonna be uh, pulling it out for tonight's duty. All right, man. Well, I you know it's the it's the duty for your duty. It's the and, duty uh, for my duty. Hashtag Chris Pace. for you. <laughs> um, and I would normally send Heather out, my wife, to go and pick me up some more weed, and she did as soon as she uh, knew that we were gonna get locked down, and uh, she knew that my driver's license situation. Uh, but she has since um, become a a uh, positive, what is it called? A presumptive positive of, for the COVID-19. So her and I are actually quarantined for the next uh, week now. It's been a week since she was uh, tested, or not tested, but uh, had the diagnosis. So, um, yeah, we've been in quarantine, and I can't go out and get any weed. We have really no contact to the outside world. So I am uh, making do with what I have. Yeah, no kidding. You're like uh, Elliot E.T., Explain that reference, because that is that's a pretty obscure reference. No, oh, well, uh, I mean, come on, Spielberg, nineteen eighty-two. I think uh, you know it's uh, the the original quarantine. I, I don't know about you, but from my childhood, that was my first experience with uh, quarantine. Is seeing everybody in white suits and tubes, and uh, you know, it was because it was an alien life form. So, well, luckily, quarantine in the year uh, twenty twenty, um, you can't have weed. 
Weed shops here in Colorado are considered essential services. So if we need to get weed, we can get weed. Yeah, it's come a long way in the last 30 years, man. Netflix, chill, and weed versus uh, sticking needles in you and getting anal probes. Well, weren't you a fan of the anal probe? Because isn't that part of your uh, past? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was a butt plug model for a long time. I think I have your model. I think you gave me a, a test drive on one of your models. So I think it's still uh, in my closet where it should stay. We're taking some chances early. I like this. Yes, because I've been smoking and drinking for the last couple hours. I've been doing a bunch of these virtual things over the last couple hours, so I'm a little loopy already. All right, man. Well, hey, let's roll with it. That's good. Um, so speaking of uh, weed, I know you're not much of a smoker, so what are you doing tonight? You know, I actually uh, I ate an edible, 10 milligrams of dosed. I uh, got that dosed. from, uh, gosh, where did I get it? Starbuds on Arapaho. Starbuds, they're a bunch of pricks. I have this theory, dude, and I don't know how your experience was, um, but I had this theory when we first started the Mile High podcast. Like all the bud tenders were super cool and uh, real friendly, and then I went to Starbuds and they were complete dickheads to me. Um, and I don't mind you know saying that on the air, but they were complete pricks, and it really jaded my entire perception of bud tenders. And so. Um, Kudos to you, Starbucks, for being a bunch of pricks. Oh, man. that's uh, I'm sorry you had that experience. Uh, I'll tell you, I go there probably once a month, and they're pretty cool. They're, uh, I don't know. I, I, you know I, got my, I got my dude I go see, and he always gives good recommendations so, for what it's worth. For what it's worth. See, it might have just been my experience. So, And that's kind of, you know, Chris and I kind of grew up in the retail world, and, uh, you know, we know how much, like, one experience could completely – um jade your entire view on a certain company or a certain store or a certain person um which is unfortunate so that's probably my case they're probably a bunch of cool dudes but just had a bad experience yeah hopefully they took whoever uh worked with you the first time took them out in the parking lot beat them and they're no longer there so all right i like how you roll man i like uh this all new right, chris yeah. pace yeah well i mean you know i, I got a little uh american history accent so what can i say <laughs> Uh, so you uh, hopefully they lined him up on uh, the sidewalk with his teeth on the curb. Gosh, yeah, was that a scene or what? <laughs> that was Gordon fucking brutal. Was yeah, that was a whole. That was a pretty brutal fucking movie. Uh, but that scene was just like, what the fuck did I just watch? Yeah, Edward Norton, amazing in that movie. Yeah, for real. All right, so that kind of rolls us into uh, another topic that we normally like to talk at the start of the show, Chris. You're not traveling for uh, the first time in a couple of years, so uh, are you watching a bunch of shit now that you're home? Oh, man. Uh, I will tell you what. My kids and wife have really enjoyed me staying home. I got my wings clipped, and so uh, we've been watching a lot of stuff, man. I've been streaming uh, a bunch of stuff. You want me to go through a list? Just go. Just go for it. Uh, yeah, so of course I watched Tiger King, which we fucking loved. Uh, that was intense. Anybody that wants to judge uh, from, from the first or from the memes, uh, just watch it. Uh, I think you'll find that there's a reason, there's an appeal for Mr. Uh, Joe Exotic. Uh, also, been watching Tales from the Loop, which, Dave, I think you like this. Uh, you remember Amazing Stories that used to play on, like, Thursday nights, primetime? Yeah, that is, that's a long it's show. Like a, yeah, it, It's like an updated version. It's kind of this surreality where it's got phenomenal music, uh, great cinematography, the acting's terrific. It's very subtle. It's a little bit slow moving, but it's very thoughtful. Um, 
Um, so Tales from the Loop has been really good. What's that on? Really looking for, what's that? What's that on? Uh, that's on Amazon. Amazon. Amazon Prime Original. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, Tiger King, um, Tales from the Loop, both fantastic. And then, of course, I'm excited for FX to release season two of What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, I never finished the first episode or the first season. I'm about halfway through, um, just after all the the vampires like Blade and all them got together. Um, I thought really creative show, but you know, based off of the Taika Waititi movie, which was absolutely incredible. I love that movie. Absolutely, and uh, let, let's give Taika Waititi his due credit. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, in my opinion, is the best Marvel movie ever made. I'd say it's right underneath like Endgame and. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'd probably say uh, Far From Home. The Spider-Man Far From Home was right out there, but it's just as enjoyable as Ragnarok. What a yeah. uh, Taika Waititi is such a visionary. Um, I love his movies. Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? No, but it's on the list, man. I you know I'll watch it this week. Yeah, dude, you need to move that to like the top of your list because that movie's pretty spectacular. Um, Taika Waititi and uh, John Favreau right now are probably the two most creative. Uh, I wouldn't even say directors. I just I would just call them creators. They're two of the yeah. uh, best creators out there right now. Uh, Taika Waititi is working on um, the whole Ronald Dahl or Roald Dahl uh, universe for Netflix. He's coming up with a bunch of animated shows. Um, John Favreau is working with Lucasfilm right now. He's they just wrapped uh, Mandalorian season two right before uh, everything went in lockdown. Um, but I mean, they're the two most innovative creators right now out there. Wow, I, I didn't realize he was doing a role doll thing. That uh, that would be pretty cool to see him do Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yeah, hopefully it'll erase the taste in my mouth from the Tim Burton version. Oh man, that hurts me. I, I listen. I think Johnny Depp knocked it out of the park. I love that version. I I love Tim Burton, dude. I am a big fan of Tim Burton. Um, but uh, that's probably my least favorite. I'd say, um. The Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and then Sleepy Hollow right underneath. Probably my least favorite Tim Burton movies. Oh, man. Okay, fair enough. I think on our dive bar, we should do a Tim Burton, though. I definitely think yeah, Tim no, Burton is due. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, so I've been watching a bunch of shit, too, because I have literally nothing better to do other than do <laughs> uh, Truckee Pacific production stuff. Um, I'm going to do a quick plug. I'm doing a new show called The Race Through Space Read-Along Podcast, um, where I basically read my Race Through Space books, and I give a little bit of uh, a history on how the books came to be, as well as a little bit of uh, behind-the-scenes info on like the different chapters and the different characters I create. Um, so that's been pretty fun. Um, that came up uh, since I got really fucking bored one day. But uh, my other pastime right now is watching shows and watching movies. Um, been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, uh, that show's yes. fantastic. That's awesome, man. I, you can't go wrong with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. No, I, I pretty much uh, eat anything that Michael Schur does. So Office, Good Place, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All those shows are fantastic. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is really, really good. So I really love that. Um, but I've been watching a lot of movies because there's a lot of movies out there now. Um, and I'd probably say um, I've watched Onward, which was really good. And uh, I'm sure... Um, when James comes back, him and I will do a full-on conversation about Onward. Um, have you seen that sure. one? Yeah, absolutely. Watch it with the family. What a what a terrific movie. So so you can take it on so many different levels. I mean, it, there's a lot of good messaging there. Yeah, and you know, it's just 
normal Pixar. They do um, just a, a great job. And the movie was really, really good. It was emotional. Uh, definitely made my wife cry. Um, I, I really love the ending because it sets you up for three quarters of this movie to expect a certain type of ending. And then the last, like, you know, few minutes, they completely switch it. And I think the ending was spectacular. Yeah, I agree. All right. But I would say, so I've, I watched that. I watched Parasite. Um, that just came on Hulu. Um, Parasite had a, a lot of um, buzz around it. it. Won Best Picture. Uh, the, the director for Parasite won Best Director this year. Um, and it was really, it was a very good movie. I highly recommend that movie. Uh, but the best movie I watched last week was 1917. Um, have you heard that? Yeah. Have seen it? Yeah, absolutely. I've been wanting to see it. It's it, it's amazing. It's simply amazing. Um, it is. It, so there's like, I think the lore around it is there's only six takes or six edits throughout the entire movie. Um, and it, it starts from these two soldiers in in World War One. Um, they're taking a nap or they're resting right by this tree um, just off of their front line. Um, they somebody comes up and gives them orders. And from that very time all the way until the end, it's it's one one story that just is chronologically going. And so, um, I mean, you're like watching two hours of these guys' lives, um, and there's it's it, remarkable. The movie them is simply remarkable, and I definitely think that should have won the Oscar. Um, I definitely see why Parasite won, but I think 1917 is probably the best movie I've seen in a long time. Wow, that's great to hear, man. I'll, I'll uh, watch it this weekend. Sure. Yeah, definitely check that out. And then uh, I watched Doctor Sleep again. Uh, you're a huge uh, Stephen King fan, and uh, that actually kind of rolls us into our topic tonight. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about books, which Chris and I are a couple of bibliophiles. Um, I I especially love Stephen King, and if you haven't seen Doctor Sleep, dude, it is a really really great movie. It's an excellent sequel to. Uh, the Shining. Um, it, he basically, the director who also did The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, um, came up with this movie that plays half um, sequel to The Shining and then half uh, this completely uh, different movie that is ultimately the Doctor Sleep angle. Um, but the way that he was able to blend The Shining into this Doctor Sleep sequel was pretty damn good. Um, that was one of my favorite movies of 2019. Hmm, okay, I'll have to check that out. I've not watched it yet. Have you read Doctor Sleep? I have not. Ah, so that's that's next on your list. Have you read The Shining? Oh yeah, I've read The Shining. All right, good. So you got to read Doctor Sleep because um, the book is definitely better than the movie, but the movie is pretty incredible itself. Um, so those are two highly highly recommended properties here. All right, man. Good stuff. All right, I got some time. Good. Yeah, you got. Kind of bit of time, but you're still working hard. I'm on quarantine, so I got nothing to do. Um, but you're still working your ass off, I know. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, for for sure. I think I average five hours a day on the phone, which is a little rare for me. Yeah, I can't stand five minutes on the phone. I can't imagine five hours. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, it's all good though, man. Yeah. So, what are we talking about tonight, man? All right. Well, what we wanted to uh, kind of keep the show a little bit low key. Um, we thought it'd be fun just to kind of have conversations about books and especially how books kind of tie into pop culture. Um, you know, I'm an author 
and I will keep saying that until uh, I die because um, it's a goal that I've always wanted and I finally was able to achieve. Um, so, you know, I'm a big fan of books. I've always been a big fan of books and I love to pimp out the fact that I write books. And, um, you know, ever since that's one of the things that you and I bonded over were the books that we read. And so I thought, what a great conversation for the two of us. And then to kind of go over books um, and then books, how they relate to pop culture. Awesome. Yeah, no, that, that's for sure, man. That's, uh, you know, I, I will tell you, isn't that something like uh, I, I tell people all the time, I interview a lot of people and I, I'll always ask what people like to do for fun. And whenever someone says reading, I immediately tell them there's a this big disclaimer. I said, just so you know, this will be the most important question you answer in this interview and it will determine everything. And man, it's funny because some people knock it out of the park and some people tell me Nicholas Sparks. And then of course they uh, have to move on and look for another job. Is that a fireable offense in your company? Fuck. Well, I mean, that's, that won't be what we put on paper, but yes. <laughs> so just so you guys know, Chris Pace, not a fan of Nicholas Sparks. Yeah. Fuck the notebook, man. <laughs> Fuck the notebook. Hashtag Chris Pace. So <laughs> exactly. do, tell me, what kind of books are you into? Well, so it, it's, it's funny because people always ask, well, what do you like? Um, so my son put it to me, well, I, I like slice of life books. I don't need manufactured romance. I don't need manufactured mystery. I don't need manufactured drama. I really just like real tales. I, I like to think if the writer sits down in front of the computer typewriter, and their characters get away from them, and they just literally, you know this, when, when the characters start to write themselves because they create the persona through the intuition of the author, they, they merely become the vessel. Those are the books I like to read. Um, nope, I don't mind genre. I mean, I, shit, I've read Danielle Steele. I've read, you know, Nora Roberts. I mean, I, I've, I've read it just because I needed to back up my feelings about it. But it just feels like, you know... Books that people build like a, an outline to, and it's very manufactured, like a Mary Higgins Clark or a Sue Grafton. Those are the things that I don't read. But you give me something like, uh, you know, of course Kurt Vonnegut comes to mind. Uh, one of my one of my favorite authors lately is Willie Vallotton, guy out of Reno, Nevada. Um, Dennis Johnson, Jonathan Ames, Jerry Stahl. Um, I could go on for days, man. But slice of life. Slice of life. Do you? Do you particularly like any horror movie or horror books or um, mysteries or just kind of like all over the place? I'll tell you my favorite, my, one of my favorite books of all time uh, in the horror genre was really kind of a horror fantasy. And it was by Clive Barker and it was called Weave World. Um, you know, and he's well known for, uh, you know, his, his stuff with, uh, you know, Hellraiser. Hellraiser yeah. Weave World was absolutely phenomenal the way he blended horror and fantasy. Uh, and, and I like fantasy books as well, but you know, I, I, I don't know, man, you know, listen, I, I appreciate anybody that sits down and writes a story and gets it out there. Hands down. That's a step above. Um, what, what, what I, what I'm puzzled at sometimes is why people will do it and try to recreate and, and, you know, and I guess more so the mystery to me is why people would read, you know, the same story, but where they just change out the colors and the characters. To me, I, I, I look at, especially, and we're talking fiction now, right? Well, so, anything, you know, I I like to mix it up a little bit. Um, right now I'm reading a nonfiction book about the Anthropocene, which is the, 
current geological era that we're in. And it's talking about how we are at the beginning of the sixth great mass extinction. Um, and it's stuff like that fascinates me. So I'm not one into like reading World War II history books, although I've read my fair share of those. Um, I like science-based nonfiction books. And then that kind of balances out the fact that I read kind of trash fiction. So um, serial pulp mystery books. And um, yeah. I wouldn't put Stephen King in that category, but it's it's mostly Stephen King and then um, the pulp mysteries. Sure. Well, listen, I, I think there's time and a place for everything. But, you know, if, if I had to choose or if I went, if I guess I if I had to classify 80 percent of the reading I do is based on whether or not I believe this will make me think more, challenge my existence more, question my purpose more. I, I really enjoy books that make me think. And, and it can be just general fiction that does that. You know, to me, the, the only time I, I, I really, I, I guess I think a reader runs into trouble is when you read the same, like I said, the same mystery over and over where all they're doing is really changing out the, the protagonist. To me, that's like li literature offers you a road marker, right? It's a finger that points you in a direction. And and cheap fiction, I think, forces you to suck on that finger for comfort. And good fiction lets you follow where that finger is telling you to go. Yeah, there's a time and a place for both of them, for sure. Um, I, I I love Stephen King books. And you and I you know, share a definite fondness for Stephen King. And I'll go back to him because he's he's the reason why I read. Uh, he's the reason why I write. Um, he is one of the biggest influences in my life. Um, but you don't have some of his books. You definitely need to be there and present and absorb his books. And then there's other books where you can just read because it's a fun monster book and you don't need to really think. You just um, just imagine yourself in that world and you react. Um you know, I read my fair share of the the science nonfiction, so stuff about science and space and that kind of shit. And there's a time and a place for that, but I also love to balance off the fact that um, I can read a serial novel where it's just like, you know, it's very formulated. You know, somebody gets murdered and they bring in the uh, FBI guy, and the FBI guy almost dies, but then he miraculously lives at the end and then solves the case. Uh, you know, I like that kind of brainless fiction sometimes. Yeah. Well, there's a place. There's a place for it. Well, I think it's smart. I think my favorite of the quote brainless fiction is anything written by Clive Kessler featuring Dirk Pitt. You know, rest in peace, Clive Kessler. Recently passed away, but um, and a resident of Golden, Colorado. So I was not uh, aware of that. Some good stuff. So, what is it about books? And kind of go back in your way, way back machine. What is it about books that initially captured your imagination? Because I can remember the well, first uh, kind of group of books that I read that. Um, they may not have been great books by any means, but they were so descriptive that it allowed me, a kid with an overactive imagination, it really allowed me a place to escape the real world and live in the fantasy world. Yeah, man, I, I, I will tell you, first first things first, I'm an only child, so it actually it, reading gave me friends, gave me people I could relate to, people I could talk to and have my own dialogue with. You know, so I, I mean, I've been reading my entire life because, let's be honest, uh, we didn't have Netflix or iPads or, you know, all that other stuff when I was a kid. So it was you read a book or you write, uh, especially as an only child, since I didn't have siblings to play for or play with. Um, but, you know, the I, I will tell you, one of the first books I ever read that just got me 
completely involved was called a separate piece by john knowles and i read that in probably seventh grade and it was about you know two boys that are growing up and dealing with being you know get, going through puberty and maturity and emotions and feelings at a reform school during world war ii and it follows them through their high school preparatory experience and i read that and it was almost like i felt like that was the road that my life was going down not because like i was going to prep school but just as i was you know growing older and maturing and i was hooked and after that i got involved you know i started reading michael Crichton and stephen king and john grisham and you know all the major authors of the time and man i just i was hooked yeah so i really i got into reading and this is gonna make you laugh but i really got into reading because um, as most people know, they always had those book fairs at our school when we were growing yeah, scholastic. up. Yes, yeah, so the scholastic, the scholastic uh, book fair. And so, that, you know, my parents they didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. So, uh, anytime the book fair came along, they'd give me like ten bucks, and I get as many books as I can for ten bucks. And usually, I can get one book for ten bucks, or a shitload of Garfield books. For like three Garfield books for nine bucks, and I got to pocket the extra dollar. And so um, I would buy a bunch of those Garfield books, and I just I devoured them. And then that got me going to the library, where the library is like they had a whole collection of comic books. Um, and speaking of comic books, I really started out uh, loving books by reading comic books. And then um, I think uh, at the school at the book fair we had. A book named Hatchet. Uh, did you ever read Hatchet in oh, school? John yeah, uh, that wasn't the first time I actually read a book book, and it was one of those ones where it was captivating from the very beginning. Um, the plane goes down, the pilot's dead, dude barely survives, and then has to survive in the wilderness on his own. And he was our age when I read it, and so I'm like, yeah. I put myself in that place, and. I really enjoy. I think I I I don't really read reread books uh, a whole lot, um, but I read that one probably four times, like back to back to back to back, um, and then it just hooked me. My very next book was The Stand by Stephen King. So I went from Hatchet to The Stand, um, and that's one thing I can um, always share with my mom is my mom was a bibliophile, and so she was the my um, entrance into the Stephen King universe. Um, she gave me the stand, um, the talisman, and then I got into the, the gunslinger series. And then I was just like, I didn't have a ton of friends. And so like, I was just annihilating books as much as possible. And that's what got me into writing. That's awesome, man. No, I, I love it. It's, it's so funny how we all progress on our own path. And, you know, I, this is one thing I got to say, I, I wish more people read more and more as i meet people you know i run into a like oh yeah i should probably read a book i've read a book since high school and it just it breaks my heart it really does man because i think reading it allots you an experience an escape a therapeutic you know journey that is just incomparable i mean it, you can stream all the all the shows you want you can play candy crush till your eyes fall out but reading a book transcends so much of our daily life and i, I couldn't imagine life without it yeah, I, I I would think if there was a silver lining to everything that's going on around us, the the fact that people are alone and they're craving any kind of escape, um, you know, people go to books. You can go to books. You can still order books from Amazon. They have books at Walmart. They have books at King Supers. And so, like, you can only watch 
Joe Exotic so much. And I'm sure everybody's watched The Office three or four times because you can only go through that so much. So, you know, hopefully um, they're going through podcasts. But, you know, as an author, I'm really hoping that um, people are rediscovering books and rediscovering reading. Yeah, man, I'm I'm with you there 100. percent You know, it's uh, it's funny because you know my my kids, you you would have guessed it because we've grown up with thousands of books around our house. Um, it was a big joke growing up. People, you know, I always tell them, I'm like, don't ever tell me you're bored because I will hand you a book and you will give me a report. Uh, as they've gotten older and they, you know, there's there's more reading that's more suited to their path, whether it's a a leadership book or an inspirational book or whatever. I've actually offered to pay them. 20 bucks if they write me or, uh, you know, not write a report, but have a conversation with me afterwards. Just, just talk to me. What, what did this book make you feel? Because I'm so, you know, I'm obviously so biased towards that, but you know, it's, uh, it, it's, I, I will tell you on a daily basis, I, I put on my headphones and I've got a subscription to audible and I'm not, a, I'm not an e-reader. I've never read a book on online. I read magazine articles and all the other stuff, but I just, I fundamentally, I like the smell of a book, like feel of the book. I like to stare down a book two days after I read it, know that I know what's inside of it. Uh, but I've been walking on the trails behind my house, you know, six to 10 miles a day and just listening to books on Audible. So it's just a different experience. It's invaluable. Yeah. And that's actually kind of where this conversation was veering towards um, because I normally, uh, other than the two weeks that I'm in quarantine, uh, normally I'm very, very busy. And I have a pretty decent commute. And then when I get home, I'm, I'm very, very busy. Um, but I don't want to lose my uh, – I don't want to lose my connection with the literary world. Uh, and Stephen King, um, once again, he wrote this great book called On Writing. And I'm sure you've read On Writing. Yes, sir. Um, it's, it's the author's Bible. It, it legitimately is the author's Bible. And one of his main rules is you need to read a lot and you need to write a lot. And so I take that to heart. I want to consume as many books as possible. But with my schedule, the only way I can do it is through audiobooks. And so at this point, I am almost completely uh, exclusively audiobooks at this moment. Yeah, man. I, uh, however you get it in, that's the most important thing. You know, it's uh... – I tell my kids, I'm like, I don't, I don't care how you process the information as long as it's coming in. And I will tell you, so when I lived on the East Coast and I was working for Qdoba out there, I was driving probably 400 miles a day. And that's when I really got into audio. As long as you can process that information, there is just something about not seeing things visually, hearing it audibly, thinking it in your head as you read it. It creates this, as you said, this imagination it, it, it just tickles a certain sense in you that I think causes so much, so much of a different experience, so much more of a transcendental experience. So when you come out of it, I mean, I know, I know you've done this before and I do it all the time. You'll read for two hours or you'll listen to a book for two hours and look at the world around you differently. Not in a bad way, but just in like almost this enlightened state. Absolutely. I, there's a, a couple books that – when I'm, I was done with it, I was completely changed. Uh, one was on writing because um, when I read it, I was um, I hadn't uh, published my first book. I haven't even written my first book yet, um, and I was like trying to drum up enough courage to actually get the project started. And then I read on writing, and it gave me all the confidence that I needed that uh, I could do, uh, I can write a book, which is something that's been a goal of mine for my entire life. So that was probably the most 
uh, informative book, the most life-changing book I've ever had. But the, oddly enough, Harry Potter. When I finished Harry Potter, I was literally a changed man because up up until that point, um, I had always pushed off Harry Potter. And my wife loves Harry Potter. My kid even read the entire series uh, of Harry Potter before I even started. And then I I listened to it, and the the audiobooks for Harry Potter are unbelievable. And when yeah. I was done, I was completely fucking changed. I you know I have I'm in a room right now, Chris. That has seven Harry Potter posters. I'm wearing a fucking or I have a, a Gryffindor hat that I just got from Amazon today. I mean, Harry Potter legitimately changed my life. That's awesome, man. That's uh, you know, it's it, funny. Sometimes it comes from the most unexpected sources. You know, you you've got this background of hardcore horror and you know, kind of high-minded stuff, and then Harry Potter, which I think when you dig in, and I have not read the books. But, but my kids have, and they love them, and they keep telling me, Dad, you got to read them. There's so much more to this whole world. But it's funny how it just comes out and, bam, changes you. Yeah, well, if you're, you know, since you're into audiobooks, man, just get the first one and just listen to the first one. Um, it's probably the shortest of the series, but just hearing Jim Dale do all those characters, man, it's really spectacular. That's awesome. No, I'll, uh, it's, it's funny. I will, uh, I will certainly do that because I'm just about up with the current inventory I have. Uh, I think that another author who uh, I I particularly love, um, I know some people don't really like him too much, but I love Neil Gaiman and he does his own audiobooks. and the, his Neverwhere book was another one, another book that as soon as I was done listening to it, I was like, holy shit, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, no, Neil Gaiman is fantastic, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. I read American Gods in 2008, and, and then I read The Cemetery Game. Uh, and, it, I mean, he just – he has such a such an incredibly lucid way of writing where you just go, holy shit. And he writes about some intense stuff. But, yeah, it just – yeah, he's a, he's, he's a prolific writer in my book. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't put out a bunch of shit. So um, I keep – I know he's working on Neverwhere, the, the sequel to Neverwhere. And Neverwhere is probably one of my top five favorite books, so I'm I'm jacked that he's gonna write a sequel. But he's been working on this thing for like three years. It takes me like yeah. three months to write a book, and so I'm like, what the fuck are these people doing? Like their books are not that much longer than mine. What the fuck is taking them so long to get these books out? Oh, Dave, if you don't know by now, you're a pretty intense dude, man. I and uh, I appreciate that about you. So when you should sit down to do something, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be whittling a stick. It could be playing hopscotch. You're going to get it done faster and harder than anybody. That's what she said. <laughs> you're, uh, you're welcome. I teach you right up for that. Thank I you. I have a million-dollar question for you. Yes. Do you finish all the books you start, or if it sucks, will you put it down? No, I, I'll i either return it to Audible or I'll stop reading. There's, there's okay. plenty of them, especially when you get into nonfiction, because um, there are some um, scientists like Neil deGrasse Tyson – Stephen Hawking was particularly good. Kip Thorne is very good. Um, Bill Nye is very good. But then you start getting into some of these um, these other scientists that are just like you're you're not doing a good job. You're not conveying this subject to me the way that I, I need to absorb it. Um, you know, it's probably maybe uh, I'm a little bit too like scientific or mathematical than I'm uh, wanting to. Like I just want kind of like a um, a read like a brief history of time kind of read where it's kind of towards my level um but i'll i'll give up on those 
pretty easily. Um, bad fiction. Uh, I'll give up on bad fiction in a heartbeat. If I'm, if it's losing my interest, if I find myself like fucking around on Facebook more than I'm listening to an audiobook, um, that's a sign for me to get rid of the audiobook and go for something different. Yeah. Fair. What about you? So I'm the same way, man. I, uh, I'm, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I call it fatalists, but if it sucks, they're like, well, it doesn't matter. I, I have to know how it ends. I'm like, then there was some part of it that still interests you. If, if I fall out of interest, that thing goes in the pile. I'll send it to someone else, you know, drop it off at Goodwill or Salvation Army. Yeah. Um, there was, so I, I'm going to fucking pull up Stephen King one more time. So I apologize. So I'm going a little overboard with the Stephen King talker. Okay, um, man. But on Twitter, he will promote authors of books that he reads. And he reads like an ungodly amount of books every year. Um, and so when he gives a recommendation, I usually think like, you know, these are kind of like the creme de la creme of the shit he reads. And he wrote or he um, um, promoted this book as a fiction, a fictional book about the Donner Party. Um, and it was like um, Shadow Walkers or something like that. Something very similar to that. And... Um, the first like hundred pages were great, like moving right along, and then it just came to a complete fucking stop, and it was like drudgery getting through the middle third of this book, and then it the ending was fucking stupid, and I felt so bad that I wasted my time on this book because I was pissed when I was done, and I was, yeah. and it kind of for a moment I almost questioned my hero's taste in books. Um, but the last couple of recommendations wow. have been pretty good. But this fucking wind shadow walker, whatever the fuck it's called, it was just not good. Oh man, that's uh. Well, you know, I, I I certainly feel that. You know, it's funny. I actually I have a journal and it's made up of a bunch of Denny's napkins. And you actually I open the journal. It's it's like an eight by twelve journal. And then you open it up, and then I've got all these napkins that unfold because I actually did the anthropology of ten years worth of reading. That all stemmed from one book and one author. And what would happen is, as authors would give their recommendations on the on the jackets of other books, I would read that book and that book and that book and that book. And I mean, I'm like forty levels deep, and I'm like Inception times a hundred. So, uh, question: yep. Can you judge a book by its cover? Yes, absolutely. I do yeah. too. Um, Chip Chip Kid, one hundred percent, is my favorite illustrator. And any book, I'm not kidding. He has a style that if you started looking up, so many people don't pay attention to the illustrators on book covers, but it is a it is a science. And uh, and I found this out working at Barnes and Noble in nineteen no two thousand two thousand one. Um, I would look at books and I could just feel that that was going to be a good book based on that cover. So I absolutely judge a book by its cover. You give me some serif font bullshit, you know, long lyrical review that tells me everything. I don't want to read that. That's one of those books. It's going to tell me about how the wind was blowing and the leaves were flowing. And I don't need that. Get to it. You know, it's funny. I completely agree with you 100%. Um, I've had this, uh, this love of uh, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child books uh, for mm -hmm. probably a better part of 15 years um, because they had a really cool fucking cover for this book. Um, uh, it was uh, for Relic, this book called Relic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it was a really cool fucking cover, and so it inspired me to pick it up and then read the jacket. The summary was really cool, so I bought it, and I've been a fucking Douglas Preston Lincoln Child fan ever since. And I, I just finished their most recent book. That's awesome. It's funny how that works, man. I'm telling you. And so, so I got another one for you. Um, 
do you read every book you purchase and or pick up right away? Uh, no, because I have a stack of like books five deep and I'm stupid enough because I told you I pretty much just do audiobooks. But if I go to a bookstore and I see a paperback book that I like, I'll buy it, but I'll know full well. I probably won't actually read it. I'll probably actually <laughs> use my credits to get the audiobook, but um I I have so many books that I've purchased that I just haven't read. Um but I will, you know, I'll go to the bookstore once we get out of this quarantine. I'll fucking go buy a book. That's awesome. You know, there, there's actually a word. My my wife, once we got over 5,000 books in our inventory, and we've since reduced, we donated a lot of our books to a memory care center that opened up in our, in our town. But uh, um, I, there's a book, or there's a term in Japanese called Sengoku, and it is he who acquires books without the desire to read them or without the, without the expectation to read them. So I, I prefer, I think the more romantic title is Collector of Knowledge. Yeah, I like that a lot much better. Collector of Knowledge. Exactly. So I, uh, I went through a phase uh, a few years back where I started buying school books. I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I started buying like textbooks, school books. And, uh, and Freddie's looking at me like, why do you need Physics 101? Like that's a big heavy book that we're going to have to, you know, if we move, we're going to have to port around. I said, because... When when the when the internet shuts down and someone pulls the plug and Snake Plissken turns it off, uh, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be the father of physics. There you go. I like I like your thought. Uh, you know if what was it? I think it was like the Book of Eli with um, Denzel yeah. Washington, where he's like one of the last men on Earth, but he has a a book. I think it's probably the Bible. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Uh, but yeah, he had like the one time. last book left. Yep. Imagine how much power you wield if you were like one of the keepers of the last bits of written knowledge. I'm telling you, man, not knowledge is power. It doesn't matter. It's timeless. All right. So James and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago that when it comes to books, there's very few books or very few authors that can honestly be considered pop culture. Um, you know, books like from Stephen King, J.K. Rowling. You know, what is it about those particular authors that can be um, considered pop culture versus the Clive Custers of the world? He's not really pop culture. Um, Clive Barker, you know, he came up with yeah. the fucking Hellraiser series, but he's not really I don't really consider him a part of pop culture. Um, so what sure. is the difference, you know, between like the Stephen Kings and the Clive Custers of the world? Uh, man, I, I think it's pretty simple. I think it defines kind of the, the sentiment or the feeling of the generation. I mean, when you think about Harry Potter, and Harry Potter is probably the biz, biggest example of pop culture for, you know, a, something that's been novelized. And I don't know if that's a verb, but I just made it a verb. But, you know, the, the point is, when you think about 2000, 2001, Harry, Harry Potter's coming out, the things that are going on, things, in my opinion, this again, this is just one man's opinion, I, I think things were very regimented, and this gave this sense of wonder and excitement and fantasy and all that, and then people just get absorbed into these ideas. So, I I, I, it, I mean, maybe this is too this is too cliche to say, but I think it's the reflection on society. If, if your novel, if your message, if your story, your environment speaks to what your your society needs, that's how it gets ingrained in pop culture. Yeah, I also uh, I have to think of um, 
the ones that really go because the authors who really become um, pop culture artists uh, are those who have a lot more of a, a visual style because that visual the that visual style that visuality of their books can easily be translated into um, a medium like a, a, a movie or a Netflix series. Um, and if you're able to do that, then you can do a little bit, or it's a little bit easier path for you to become, um, a part of pop culture. Um, I love Clive Barker too. Um, he is very wordy in his books. And so, um, you know, Stephen King is also very wordy, but he's also extremely visual. And you can, when you close your eyes, you can actually see what, um, Stephen King is talking about. Whereas like Clive or uh, Clive Barker, um, a lot of a lot of it's just words that are just kind of get lost. You know, a lot of setup, a lot of description, um, not a lot of visual sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point, man. Um, I, you know, someone that comes to mind is Chuck Palahniuk, who you know, of course, his his breakthrough novel was Fight Club. Fight Club, yeah. And you want to talk about visualization and at the same time applicable to to, to tension in society. I mean, I, for some reason, I mean, it just it it. I, I think it was, you know, when you think about that cut scene with uh, Helena Bonham Carter and Edward Norton at the very end when the Pixies come on and you hear Frank Black singing and the buildings are collapsing, like, I mean, that that was written in the book. I mean, it was it's incredible. Yeah, and, and that's one of those weird instances, um, Twilight, which is another one where it's like the pop culture entrance is the the movies. Like, the, the right. Twilight, the book was... Very, very popular, but more people know Twilight because of the movies. Hardly anybody, in other than you know people from our generation, if you were to ask, you know, some twenty-year-old hipster, like you know, tell me about Fight Club, they're going to go instantly into the movie. They're not going to talk about the book. I probably would yeah. say they don't even know it's a book. Um, so it takes a very, very special kind of creator, like a J.K. Rowling or a Stephen King, that is synonymous with their work. Yeah, that's a great point, man. Uh, I mean, but that's how we process information, right? I mean, people don't even go to the cinema anymore. They don't go to the theater. Everyone streams on Netflix, and it's this nonstop copy of, of imagery, you know? Absolutely. So, um, you know, this wouldn't be a Mile High podcast if I didn't give some recommendations on books to read while you're stoned. Yeah. You know, books to read when you're stoned, you know, it's hard to keep uh focused uh um, how's your gummy by the way has a gummy kicked in yet wait are we still on the podcast we're still on the podcast yeah <laughs> that, that was me being funny oh it was pretty funny it's kind of funny yeah um but uh there's uh, audiobooks are the perfect kind of recipe for when you're high so um naturally anything harry potter um because you can lose two hours of your night just listening to Jim Dale um, narrate Harry Potter, um, you don't have to pay that close attention. You can fuck around and do other shit while you're listening to it. Um, but it's such a reassuring voice, and uh, he's just a great narrator. And then I would say, if you like to be scared, um, The Exorcist. The Exorcist, oh, God. dude. If you are on, if you're in weed, if you like weed, <laughs> and you want to get scared because it. The weed is going to intensify um, your feeling of dread. Um, fucking The Exorcist audiobook is great. It's better than watching a horror movie. Holy cow. That's that's intense. I don't know if I can take that there. 
All right. Well, then, um, you know, go definitely do Harry Potter, brother. Definitely do Harry yeah, Potter. Um, the new, uh, I really love the um, Miss Peregrine's books that uh, is coming out by Ransom Riggs. Um, yeah. Those are also really good books to listen to while you're stoned because I, uh, he is a pretty fun and not too serious style. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. We, I, I thought we would be done after like 30 minutes, and we're coming up on 48, 49 minutes, man. I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. We got 40 minutes or so out of books. Nice. Oh, we can go all night, man. I'm staring at half my library right now. Uh, yeah, you have you have a very impressive library, man. And that's the part that I see in your office is just part of it. Yeah. Man, you should see my audiobook library, man. I'm taking up whole gigabytes worth of stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, you don't need a ladder to scoot around the la- that library. No. Um. So, once again, like uh, like I said earlier, Chris and I are going to be uh, recording. An episode of the dive bar tomorrow. Uh, we're doing a two-part series. Uh, normally, uh, we do these deep dive podcasts, uh, but we're going to do a, a two-part series um, on how shows that uh, shows have changed over the course of our lifetime. So uh, tomorrow, we're going to be talking about shows that uh, we used to watch when we were kids and then growing up. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll record part two of you know how has TV changed and how has our cha- our uh, taste changed. Uh, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, I am about to upload my third episode of the Race Through Space Read Long podcast. Um, the first two episodes are already available. And speaking of Race Through Space, you can find my books on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and on Audible. Uh, what are you doing, Chris? Do you have anything to plug? Oh, gosh, man. Um, nothing. Just just our episode of the Dive Bar like you just did. Uh, well, I guess you can always check out my website at theactiveprofessional.com. That's theactiveprofessional.com. It's a leadership consulting site that I run. It's got a lot of good articles, a lot of original content, uh, how to motivate people and uh, influence people and make people like you. Well, Chris, everybody pretty much likes you, so I think it's working pretty good. <laughs> right you're, you're, a likable, you're a likable person. It's because I'm round. You are round. You have you have a round face. Okay, I have a round face. Yeah, it, and it's lovable. It, it's like an egg almost. Right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So uh, you know, I want to you know give a quick shout out to James, Chris, and Nancy. Uh, we love you guys. We're thinking about you. Um, I know it's kind of a, a rough time for y'all, so just know that we're thinking about you. And for everybody who's tuning in, whether it's the the first time you're tuning in or if you've been following us from the very beginning. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening and checking us out. I hope you guys are staying safe and staying healthy. Um, Wash your fucking hands. It boils down to just wash your fucking hands. So that's pretty much all it is, man. Any last words, Chris, before we head out? No, man. Good times. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, dude. All right, guys. You have a good night. Stay safe. Have a good night. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.